My novel Finding Home is available for purchase on February 20th in everywhere that books are sold. One reader called it a spiritual experience embedded in pure drama. And that's exactly what I wanted to do. Tell a fantastic story, but reveal all the layers of spiritual truth that were in the prodigal son parable when Jesus told it. But we miss it with our Western eyes. You will be amazed at the Father's incredible love for you. You can find out more on my website, susankamacias.com backslash finding dash home. Welcome, friend. Do you find yourself with an empty nest and a faded vision? Then you're in the right place. God still has a calling and mission for us in the second half of our lives, because you know what? We're not done yet. So join me, Susan Macias, author, speaker, and empty nest mom, and let's explore how our family, our church, and our world needs us. Welcome to episode 33, and today's episode is entitled Quiet Time Plans. It's the last episode in a four-part series about having quiet times, and I'm passionate about this subject because more than any other thing um, in my life that has changed me and shaped me spiritually, it has been investing time in the Word of God. It's directed my heart to Jesus. No matter what else is happening and going on around me, it's that thing that sets my feet going in the right direction in the morning. So the previous episodes, episode 30, I talked about why to have a quiet time, what makes the difference in spending that time in the Word. Episode 31 was how to find time for a quiet time because we're all busy and we all have demands, but there are choices we can make that will help make that happen. Um, Episode 32 were the hows of a successful quiet time. What are just some good habits, some good practices that help make it more achievable? Because, you know, honestly, it's very it's a very easy thing to skip. It's a very easy thing to intend to do, but not get around to do. And so that is the hows. And today we're going to talk about the what's. The first episode and maybe in the second was on why, why to have the quiet time. 33 was on, 32 was on how. Today's 33 and this is episode 33 is what, what do we do and, and how do we do that? Okay, so the first thing I do every morning is open my eyes. And the second, I better put on my glasses. Because if I don't, I can't see anything. And sometimes, literally, I'll be walking around going, it's really blurry. And I'll realize <laughs> I have not ever put my glasses on. And that is, that's kind of a signal to me that maybe I really need some more sleep. But once my vision is restored, I have glasses, I can make coffee, and once the coffee is perking, I open my Bible. And opening my Bible does to my soul and my heart what putting my glasses on does to my eyes. It's the it's the thing that allows me to get going in my day. And I find I really have to protect that time because if I just need to do one thing or if I happen to pick up my phone and notice something and go into my email or go into a social media account, I will get so easily distracted. And all of a sudden, my morning time has been gobbled up and I will have very little left to spend in the Word. And I have to remind myself constantly of Matthew 6.33 to seek First, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added to you. So seeking God first is vital for me. And that literally means first, I mean, at least after the glasses and the coffee, then 
it's reading the Bible, but what do I read? So I tend to take a book at a time. I like the continuity of going all the way through a book. I like finding themes by going through. I like to read a chapter at a time. It's easy for me to track. Um, and so I just read a chapter. And you know, there's sometimes when you're in the gospel, some of those chapters are really long. But I like to stick um, with just I just put my my marker in my Bible and I read the next chapter the next day. I like to alternate between the Old and the New Testament because I want the whole counsel, the whole message of God's Word. And also, I'm a journaler because, you know what, my brain after seven kids is more like a colander, you know, it just like, it just, stuff just runs straight through the holes that are there. And so I have to work at making things stick and writing things down is a great way for me to have things stick. And I also find when I write down, I'm jotting down notes, I'll pick up repetitive themes or scripture or or truth um, that might come in different places in the chapter. And that has helped me as well. So I love to journal. But when I look at quiet time plans, um, I find that if I have a plan, then I'm much more successful at doing it. It's like the pre-deciding. I talked about that in the last episode, to pre-decide. When you go to bed at night, you make the decision, when I get up in the morning, I will have my quiet time. It's easier to have my quiet time if I don't have to think about what I want to do or what I need to read because it's already been decided. That's why I like to have a plan. I already know where I'm going to read. I sit down, I open up to my little ribbon marker, and I get started. I don't have to make a decision in the morning, which is a good thing. Okay, so what to read. I'm going to just share with you some different plans that I use through time. In seasons where I am particularly struggling, particularly having some heart aches or or just things are difficult, I tend to spend a month and sometimes two months in the Psalms. And the Psalms are just amazing. I take refuge in the Psalms. They are so honest. They are poetic, but they are willing to to complain, to question God, to say what's good, to say what's bad. And then they come back to the Lord and say things like, and yet, this is what else I know. So while it's very honest, it always brings my heart back to God. So when I go into the Psalms, the way I do it, and this is not my plan. Somebody told me about this a jillion years ago so far back. I have no idea who first shared this with me. But you read the Psalm for the day, and then you just add 30 to it, and you work your way through um, in, in one sitting. So today is the seventh. So I would sit down and I would read Psalm 7, Psalm 37, Psalm 67, Psalm 97, Psalm 127. And those would be the Psalms. And it's great because Psalms usually are short every now and then. You'll have a long Psalm, but most of them are short. Um, When you have Psalm 119, you save that and you read it on the 31st day of the month. But it is so cool because I, you know, I don't know if God knew how the Psalms were going to be divided and, and ordered inside of the book, because the book of Psalms is not like chronological. Um, they're ordered in however way they were um, ordered, and I'm assuming that's by the Holy Spirit. But you'll see things at 30 chapters apart that will repeat, scripture that will repeat, themes that will repeat. But it's an amazing way. You work your way all the way through the book of Psalms in one month. And it is not too much reading in the morning. And it's just a way to um, to really bathe my heart in 
in um, comfort and encouragement and occasionally a kick in the pants, which I need all those things. Okay, so when I'm facing battles, when I am looking at, um, you know, I need I need to get up and get going with life, um, I tend to work my way through First and Second Chronicles, and I love First and Second Chronicles anyway. But I particularly find it um, encouraging when I am facing battles. I love God's history. I love reading the stories of His people, how much they failed, how often He showed up. Um, it fills me with hope and strength for the battles that I'm facing. Chronicles was written from Babylon. So it is God's people having been um, exiled because of their disobedience, being in Babylon, needing to remember their history for those, because eventually they're going to need to go back and repossess the land. And so it focuses on the kingdom of Judah more than the kingdom of Israel. And it's it is um, very, it's more succinct. I like both Kings and Chronicles, but Chronicles just is a little more succinct. I've discovered um, in Chronicles, in God's history, that the people always succeed not from what they do, but from when they fall back from their own pride or self-direction and trust in the Lord. They finally turn to the Lord, they repent, they let Him fight for them, and that's when the most amazing stories occur. And it's just, it's another thing is that God never in his history seems to be worried about numbers. If anything, he makes sure the numbers are so small that there's no way that people could get credit. And, you know, while I think it would be super fun for once in my life to be in a majority, that isn't normally where I find myself. And it's very um, wonderful to know that the majority has really never been God's plan. That's very freeing. So I'll read a chapter at a time. I'll record the ways that the people are either abandoning God or serving him. I will look at the kings because it kind of goes by the kings that are that are um, leading at the time and the difference between the good kings and the bad kings. It's a resounding les- lesson that, that helps me realize I'm going to have a choice whether my king is a good king or a bad king, and I can't blame him or her. I just have to follow the Lord, obey, repent, and be willing to obey no matter what. Okay, so in another season when I'm feeling very um, questioning, I don't know what to do, I have a lot of choices in front of me, I really like the New Testament letters, and I'll tend to read them straight through in the order that they are in the Bible, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, First and Second Thessalonians, those are all letters that Paul wrote. I, I um, Right now, I'm in First and Second Timothy. I find that those, because they are directly written to one person and not to a church, are written in a very different way. Um, and I find those very personally instructional. But the New Testament letters are very encouraging as you look at the church, at the ways we function within the body of Christ. It's not just an individualistic faith. It is a group faith as well. How do we work in the church? And so um, the letters are full of instruction. I have to guard my heart um, against coming up with a list of do's and don'ts. The New Testament letters make it very clear that is not how um, godliness is lived out. It is lived with the power of God and God alone. But as we are following Jesus, there are things we should do and things we shouldn't do. I look for explanations of character, the work of Christ. I write these things down. I want to be led by the Holy Spirit, and I want to study His ways. And that's what I find in those New Testament letters. When I'm feeling a need just to stop and concentrate on Jesus, I read through the Gospels. 
Um, the, each gospel has a different focus, and I love their focus. Um, Matthew was probably written in Hebrew in the first place. It's more of a little bit of a Jewish mindset. I love the uh, Messianic mindset of Matthew. Mark is very active. It's very um, lots of action in Mark. Luke, which I don't really know why, it tends to be my favorite gospel that I go to the most. Um, but Luke is written by the same um, author that wrote Acts. And so it's very much looking at the church. And then John is you know, written from an entirely different perspective, just from the heart and the spirit. All four of the gospels bring a different part of the character of Jesus. Um, they have parallel passages, but they also have things that each one does a little bit differently. So I like reading the four gospels in a row. Here are some other ideas. Sit down and read the first five books of the Bible all the way through. And, you know, those were the very most important five books for the Hebrew faith. And they're the foundation of our faith. Um, It's very good just to read them straight through. What did God do? How did he do it in his people? And what did he tell his people that he wanted them to live as they go forward? Um, Don't get stuck on... um, going through Leviticus and, and deciding, you know, oh, these bad laws. Don't do not do that. Um, I just want to encourage you. Look at the laws for the amazing protection that God gave his people. Place those laws in, in ancient history, and you will find those were revolutionary compared to the societies around them. I will tell you that in the book of Numbers, sometimes I'll, you know, skim through the names, but it is, it is great to go through that history and go through it straight Genesis to Deuteronomy. If you want to read Israel's history, then you can read straight through Joshua, Judges, First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings. This is the tree we as believers are grafted into. Therefore, it is our history, and we need to be aware. Look for those things of the difference in when people are following God and when they're not following God, of how God calls his people back to him about his call from the beginning is that he would be our God and we would be his people and how he always has them tethered and is always luring them back. Another thing is to look at the time of the restoration. You know, we talked about Chronicles was written in Babylon. Well, after Babylon, a group of Israelites come back and um, reading through in order is a really cool thing. And I'm going to just tell you real quick, but I will have it written out on the blog post for show notes if you want to go look there. The Restoration series goes Daniel, then Ezra chapters 1 through 6. Then read Zechariah and Haggai, which are the prophets during that time. Then read Esther. Then go back and read um, Ezra 7 through 10. Then Nehemiah and then Malachi. You know, those little old, you know, minor prophets in the back of the Old Testament, they're easy just to cherry pick a few verses out of and never actually read all the way through. But it's amazing to read them in context of of when they were being prophesied to the people. And if you're reading the history of what's going on with Ezra, and then you're reading the prophets that are coming alongside him to speak to the people, it really makes it all um, mean so much more. So I encourage you to just get started and then to keep going. And don't worry, you know, you'd have a great week and then you have a bad week. It doesn't matter. Keep coming back. Keep keep coming back. It is like investing 
in your heart. It's like if you don't invest one month money-wise, doesn't mean you should stop investing altogether. In the same way, you're investing in your heart every word of God that you read, that you meditate on, that you think about. All of that is going to enrich the soil of our heart for the seeds of His truth to grow in. The value of the time in the Word comes from long, slow, consistent faithfulness where one small truth builds upon another into a solid foundation that bears the weight of the hardship, doubt, illness, failure, and other pains of life. No other discipline can do that for us. So I can't repeat enough. Go get in the Word. Thanks for joining me today. Check out my website, susankmacias.com, to find more encouragement and to be empowered toward taking your next step. Connect with me on Facebook or Instagram at Susan K. Macias. If you enjoyed the podcast, would you please leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or whatever platform you listen on. Subscribe and share it with a friend who needs some encouragement to pursue God's call. And what about you? What's Jesus calling you to do? Be brave. Take a baby step. Do the next thing. Because you're not done yet. 